Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Owen the Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me is Jack Serlis, my co-host. Jack, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, Pat. Just had my leaving drinks um, from work via Zoom, which was an interesting experience to say the least. Oh, that does sound a bit awkward. Any, any <laughs> tears? No tears, thankfully. I managed to keep it together. It was quite emotional. Um, but it just delighted to join Owen the Saints full-time now. Yeah, delighted to have you. Um, we've we've been impressed with your work over the last 10 weeks or so and, and yeah, delighted to bring you in on a permanent deal. I'm delighted to be here. I feel like the loan spell <laughs> um, was difficult at the start, was really finding my feet, but I feel yeah. like I impressed in the last yeah. few weeks to earn that contract. Yeah, new deal for Ralph, new deal for Shane and <laughs> new deal for you. So yeah, very, Get very it. pleased with that. Um, this week we are chatting to... Uh, Chris from 90 Minutes Cynic, which is a Celtic podcast. Lots to talk about with him, um, mainly transfer related. So we wanted to chat to him about how Fraser Forster and Mohamed El Yunusi got on this season at Celtic as they won the they won the league again, ninth time in a row. Um, we wanted to get, yeah, kind of like a progress report on how they got on. There's been some talk about Neil Lennon wanting to sign uh, Forster and El Yunusi again. Um, either on loan or permanently. So we wanted to get Chris's thoughts on on those two players. We also wanted to speak to him about uh, Olivia Ncham, who's been linked with Saints uh, as a possible replacement for Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. Uh, so we wanted to get a little bit more of an understanding of what type of player Ncham is um, and how he would potentially fit in at Saints if we did make a move for him. And we think it's it, it's also good to to chat to Chris as there's been a lot of business between Celtic and Saints over the last few years. You've got to think about Van Dijk, Wanyama, Forster, Stuart Armstrong being the most recent one. So we'll bring Chris onto the podcast in a few seconds. Before we do that, I did just want to mention that next week's guest is a big one. Very, very excited about who we've got lined up next week. We will reveal who it is at the end of today's show, but... Did you just want to have a little guess, Jack, and see if you can get it? Mm, I mean, you have been banging on about this guest for quite, a f- yeah, for, for this week, really. So it must be someone massive. Is it Gooley de Prado? <laughs> it's not Gooley, unfortunately. I've been in Gooley's DMs <sighs> consistently, desperate, <laughs> trying to get him onto the podcast, really, really keen to get Gooley on. He's probably going to block me on social media pretty soon. Um, it's not Gooley, unfortunately. It's someone that is not quite at that level, but I'm really, really excited to get him on and talk to him. Um, so, yeah, we'll reveal who that is at the end of the show. Um, first up, though, let's bring Chris on to the podcast to chat. Forster, El Yunusi, and Cham, and a few other bits of transfer business. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast Chris from 90 Minutes Sick. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for inviting me on. A pleasure to come on and speak. Thank you very much for taking the time to do that. Um, did you just want to start with a little bit of info about what you guys do? Sure. Um, so we are a Celtic uh, fan-led media. We started in 2011 as a weekly podcast, which which was fun, which was just sort of just for us to get our kind of points about Celtic um, overall and just have a bit of fun with it. And then it kind of evolved into something bigger. Um, it went from, you know, three guys in a kitchen talking about, you know, why Celtic shouldn't have conceded a, a goal against Hamilton to um, a daily podcast that um, 
fully integrates kind of everything that you want and analysis, uh, tactics, uh, previews, reviews, reactions. So essentially when the football's on, uh, we kind of have a sort of full service where we preview games, we react to games, we then analyze games, we've got weekly news shows um, and yeah, lots and lots of features as well. And that's kind of what we've been doing through the sort of obviously this pandemic we've been focusing mm-hmm. on different features that you can listen to at any point. Right. Um, but yeah, it's just pretty much Celtic 24 seven. Um, <laughs> it sounds good. It sounds, sounds very successful. Then you've built it up from that, from that place in 2011 to where you guys are now. Yeah. I got, gave up my job last year so I was a civil servant and uh, I took the plunge and not looked back it's been really really great you know highs and lows but just you know your job being producing content talking about sounds great (laughs) sounds good so how many how many of you guys that run it then uh it went from three of us and now there's we've got a whole squad it's probably about 15 to 20 consistent contributors um everyone's kind of got their own kind of place in the machine and yeah everyone's got their speciality that they focus on so yeah it's uh it's good it's great it's really good fun great well the reason why we wanted to get you on was to talk a little bit about the links between Southampton uh, and Celtic um and I think we'll come on to kind of some of the the transfers that have taken place in the past a bit later but I wanted to start with um Fraser Forster and Mohamed El Yunusi who've who've been on loan um, with you guys um, over the course of the last season. First of all, for for our audience that won't have, probably won't have been watching um, watching them for Celtic, how have they got on? Um, mixed bag. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is not necessarily to do with their performances. I'll start with Fraser Foster. Fraser Foster has been nothing short of magnificent for Celtic. Um, and I, I, I can't stress highly enough how well he's performed at the highest level in terms of the Europa League. Europa League, he has been, he's won his points. Mm. So for example, we we did the double over Lazio this season. We beat them at home and we beat them away. And Fraser Foster made saves in that match that I don't know if any other goalkeeper could. I genuinely high him and hold him in that higher regard. Um, obviously, Southampton fans will have, have their opinions on him and I completely understand that because we watched... You know, I watch Match of the Day every week and, mm. you know, I've I seen some of the howlers he was making for Southampton. But for whatever reason, mm. under Neil Lennon's tutelage, under his management with, uh, you know, just, it just works. Yeah. Sometimes, that, I don't know why, but it just happens. Everything kind of comes together. But, you know, a lot, a lot, maybe some Southampton fans will think, you know, the Scottish League isn't a great standard and that's why he's, he's doing so, so successful. It's been the European mm. performances that have really made them stand out. You know, mm. as I say, home and away against Lazio, he was incredible. In France against Rennes, magnificent. Um, he He's just came up here, he's got his head down, and he's Celtic have got a really, funnily enough, we're literally just going through our season review at the moment, so we're taking each game and we're, we're breaking it down. And between him coming in and until the season stopped, we had a really really consistent backline. Mm. So the two centre halves stayed the same pretty much throughout the whole of the season. Two fullbacks, a couple of changes now and then, um, specifically with the right fullback. But you know, essentially it was just a really, really settled defence. And that was the same the first time round for Fraser Foster. 
um, under Neil Lennon before he signed for Southampton, a really, really settled back line. Now, I don't know if Southampton are cutting and changing their, their back line. I, I, I'm not, don't know as, as mm. much uh, you know, in, in detail, but when Foster has um, confidence in the players in front of him, he's a very, very different goalkeeper. Now, does he have his weaknesses? Absolutely. You know, sometimes he, you know, coming for crosses, he's not necessarily the best, but we've got two six and a half foot centre halves who, as soon as the ball comes in, they head out. So, Foster's been great. I mean, he's not he's not a perfect goalkeeper. He's got he's made the odd mistake here and there. But if you want to look at how well he's playing, go on to the BT Sport website, look at the League Cup final, Rangers versus Celtic at Hamden. Mm. He makes saves that not few goalkeepers in world football could make. Um, so, yeah, I, it just works. Um, yeah. And I, by the way, if I was a Southampton fan I'd be raging <laughs> Look at him going out on loan and performing really well but I, I don't know why it just works for him up here I, th- I think you mentioned two things there that um, that resonate really first of all confidence for him is a big one I think for a lot of Southampton fans feel like he completely lost his confidence coming back from the knee injury that he suffered against Burnley in 2015 he kind of came back and it really did seem like he was a different goalkeeper um and then again, you make a good point as far as settled back lines go. He when when Forster was at his best for us in those first couple of seasons after he joined us from Celtic, um, he did have a settled back line. And then since then, since Coleman left and we've been kind of cycling through managers, he did really struggle. Um, and that was a kind of a symptom of of the defence, really, not necessarily just his performances. Um, but in some of the kind of catching up on how he's been getting on, doing some research for, for this chat, I came across an article that mentioned um, the Celtic goalkeeping coach, Stevie Woods, and how he'd been working with Forster to build up his confidence. And I think that's maybe something that he, he, he lacked um, at St Mary's with, with just all the managerial changes. Yeah, I think there's something to be said. Uh, you know, Stevie Woods has, has been there for, Neil Lennon put him in, you know, in his position before, uh, in his first reign. So you're talking about 2010. I think he actually might have been there a little bit before, but you know, he's a really, really revered uh, goalkeeping coach. Um, I think Southampton have obviously had managerial changes. I mean, how many managers have you had in the last four or five years? It's it's a few. Well, yeah, well, we're, well, Hassan Hootles just signed a contract um, today, four year deal, but it's six or seven in the space of the last six or seven years. Yeah. We've had, Three goalkeeper, uh, three managers in the last, you know, since two thousand and you know thirteen. Yeah, um, it's consistency um, is a is a big thing, and I understand that there's you know different clubs have different pressures, but um, that consistency really brings out the best in Foster, and the goalkeeping coach, as you say, I think is very very integral hmm. to to how how well he's done. It's just the setup just suits him really well, um, but he's a fantastic goalkeeper on his day. He is. He really. I mean, you said the saves that he's capable of making. He really. He has that presence as a goalkeeper that you look for when you when you when you're putting a team together, and he's yeah. capable of unbelievable saves. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you mentioned the League Cup final as as one of his best performances. That that popped up as well as something. Talking, moving on to El Yunusi. Um, on the flip side, I think Forster had an excellent game in that game. And, and El Yunusi was it was it injury problems that kind of interrupted his time at Celtic so far. Uh, so he came in just, uh, again, we're doing the, the season reviews, so this is really fresh in the memory. Um, mm. He came in and pretty much went straight into the team um, around September time. And 
he started off, you know, fairly slowly, but then he really, really hit form. And he, I think he hit about, he definitely hit seven goals in seven games, including two goals in the League Cup final. Uh, sorry, League Cup semi-final against mm-hmm. Hibs at Hamden. Then he got a bad injury and he's never been the same since. Right. Uh, he, he was rushed back far too early. He was rushed back for the League Cup final. And in the League Cup final, I think he got taken off after about 35 minutes. Uh, and rushing him back ended up, you know, making his injury even worse, which meant he was out for longer. So he came, he was in and out of the team uh, from about the end of the start of February because we had, the, we obviously have a winter break. Mm-hmm. So the injury really, you know, broke his kind of his stay up. But there was a period of about three months where he was excellent. Mm. Um he, again, he really looks to me, and I don't know too much about Elianusi. I know that he scored against us when he was playing for uh, Malda at yeah. Celtic Park years and years ago, and we actually ended up signing Scott Sinclair over Elianusi at that time. Oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah, that we were we were heavily linked with them, and I think uh, we went we did go with Sinclair over Elianusi. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, he looks like, and it's something we've discussed um, quite a lot on our on our podcast. He looks like a confidence player. Mm. One of uh, one of our uh, contributors, Christian Wolf, he's uh, he's Norwegian, and um, he waxes lyrical about um, Ilyunusi and how great a player he can be. Um, and I, again, I, obviously, you'd know more than we would, but we look at a guy like Ilyunusi and we just don't understand why why it's not worked out. You yeah, because he looks at on his days a terrific terrific talent. I think from from Saints' perspective, I mean, we spent a good bit of money on him. I think it was about sixteen million pounds, um, and it was exciting when we signed him. He came in at quite a difficult time in terms of settling into the Premier League. Mark Hughes was our manager. That situation was a disaster. The squad yeah. was terrible. Um, the atmosphere around the club, we we kind of stayed up um, by the skin of our teeth. Um, but there was no real uh, enthusiasm for Mark Hughes as a manager. And that's the kind of uh, atmosphere that he was coming into, coming into Southampton. And he played, I think he made 20 appearances in all. He had eight Premier League starts, didn't score any goals, didn't really do much. Um, and there was question marks over what it was he was bringing to the team. Now, that's, that might be unfair in, because nobody was bringing anything to that team under Hughes. Um, yeah. So that might be unfair. He didn't really get a, a fair chance, I don't think. And there has been, we've got quite a few players out on loan, which is quite, well, it's quite good to speak to, to speak to you guys and find out how they're getting on because we've got Lamina at Galatas, Galatasaray, um, Carrillo in Spain. We've spent a lot of money on players that just haven't worked out. I know you knew he'd be in one of those. And... Saints fat. Sometimes, yeah. sorry, sometimes it seems to me that a player is just, if a manager isn't doing well and a player's brought in, they're just branded yeah. like as, with they're that manager. Synonymous with, and, with Hughes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think Elianus is a, a really great talent. And, uh, if, you know, I'm sure we'll get to whether Celtic will or won't yeah. or, you know, have an option. But, I would be signing him up for Celtic if mm. I could. So for Saints fans that won't have seen him playing for Celtic, then what we genuinely, whenever he played for us, I remember going to watch us against Palace and he played pretty much the full game. I think he got subbed towards the end. We won that game, one of the few games we won under Hughes, but he didn't offer anything. He, did, he was playing out wide, didn't have pace, didn't, wasn't great on the ball, wasn't creating anything. Um, now that probably was a symptom of the team rather than just necessarily him. But for, for Celtic fans that have been watching him, 
I guess, early on in the season, week in, week out. What was he bringing to the team then? Was it kind of creativity in the th- final third? Uh, interesting. So what we've noticed, so I should, ha- I should highlight that he did start quite slowly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he didn't come in and hit the ground running straight away. So there was a few of our players, uh, sorry, there was quite a few of our fans who were kind of like, you know, why, what's this guy bringing to the team? We have a fantastic, exciting young young player called Mikey Johnson who started his uh, he started on in that position on the left hand side. He got injured quite quickly, and I'm pretty sure that's why Elianus he was brought in. Um, so a lot of people were like, you know, Johnson started to come back from injury, and people were like, well, you know, what's you know Elianus? What's he really doing? What's after about maybe two or three games, you started to see his. Uh, and this is something we, we discussed again on, on the Cynic quite a bit. Uh, his work rate is very, very good. One of the best performances he had was in Rome against Lazio, mm-hmm. where he didn't necessarily, he wasn't busting a gut getting forward. He wasn't, you know, putting, he wasn't playing as a, your traditional winger. He was very much, you know, we were getting pilloried, you know, uh, uh, by Lazio. But he was, his teamwork, his uh, work rate was excellent. Um, his ab- ability to link up with Edward was really good running off Edward. See, I think he's more of a number mm-hmm. 10 than, than he would be as a, as a wide player. You're right. He's not the fastest. Sometimes you look at him, you're like, I don't necessarily know what his, you know, what his overall strengths are, but he just has something about him that, that works really well. He started scoring a lot of goals from us for us and a lot of that was coming in off, uh, off his shoulder and, you know, being in the right place at the right time. So, I think it's his timing mm. um, in terms of, you know, runs into the box. I think his work rate's really good. He'll give you something in terms of work rate and ability and tracking back that maybe other wingers won't. Um, but as I say, he scored about 10 goals for us. Um, goals in Europe as well. Uh, I must, I must, you know, highlight that. It's, it's not just goals domestically. It's, mm. it's his performances in Europe that was uh, really kind of set him out. I think he, I think as well, though, if you're on the bench for, for so long or you're out of a squad and, you know, you're brought in from the cold or, you know, a new manager comes in, I don't know how I'd react as a player to that, to be fair. So, um, and I understand that, you know, I mean, we look as, you know, non-English Premier League fans, we we look at the English Premier League and we see some of the turnovers of players and we think, holy shit, yeah. <laughs> you know, like... Clubs are, you know, clubs in the championship in England are are buying a huge amount of players and giving them mental wages, yep. and it's sometimes players just aren't given given a chance. Because as I say, when when Elliot started here, a lot of our fans were like, "Right, okay, he's played two games and he's not scored a goal. Get him out." Right. I mean, oh. that that is that's it, it was it was almost as quick as that for us. But that, as I said, I can't really stress that enough that it was it was the kind of atmosphere under Hughes that. He was not a scapegoat, but we've just signed him. And when you make a new sign, and you want to see them come in and make an immediate impact, um, and that exactly. didn't that didn't happen. Um, but I think as far as he goes, the conversations that I've had, he's he's one of the players that we've got on loan that we have spent money on that hasn't worked out. That potentially some Saints fans would like to see return and see what he can do under Hassan Um That obviously happened with uh, Sofiane Bufal. He went out on loan and it seemed like a little bit of a lost cause. Very talented player um, on his day, capable of 
of beating a player and creating opportunities out of nothing. And he went out on loan, came back and, and has been a pretty valuable squad player for us now. I think El Yunusi has the potential to do that, whether he gets the opportunity, I guess this summer is going to be a little bit, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be very disrupted. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, but as far as, as far as Celtic and as far as Neil Lennon's concerned, I've, I think he's been pretty vocal in saying that he'd quite like to see Forster and El Yunusi return next season. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think from a Celtic fan perspective, next season for us, we're going for our 10th title in a row, which is obviously like a, a record and, yeah. you know, it would really stick it to, to Rangers um, in a way that <laughs> we've not had the opportunity to in a while. Um, so I, I think Celtic fans at this point want both of them in the squad, whether that's on full-time contracts or whether that's another loan, loan deal. Mm-hmm. Um there's potential for Celtic Celtic to really reset the season afterwards. So even if we just have these two guys in our squad for one season longer as a loan deal, I think everyone would agree that's exactly what we'll want to do. Uh, Lennon has made it clear that he wants specifically Foster yeah. full time, but he would, you know, he would like uh, Elianusi um, brought in as well. But I think the biggest issue for us is the the wages. Yeah, I mean they're two um, of our highest earners, Foster. Forster definitely, he's up there with with Danny Ings on seventy plus. So I mean, I don't know. <laughs> we so, yeah. states that uh, we did an episode with Dan Sheldon, the Daily Echo reporter, and um, there's quite a good website, uh, Spotrack, that kind of tracks wages across all different sports, yeah. and and we were using that, and it really is depressing as a Saints fan to go through our highest earners, and most of them are either out on loan. Um, or not, or not part of the first team. Um, Forster and Elianusi being two of those players, um, as well as yeah. Lamina and Korea. Um, but yeah, I think I think wages will be the biggest stumbling block for you guys. Yeah, then. I think. Yeah, we our highest earn our highest earning player was Scott Sinclair, who obviously we who was terrific for us um, for a short period. Um, he was on thirty six grand a week. Mm-hmm. Reportedly, I mean, it's never been confirmed, but yeah. there was reports of thirty six to thirty grand a week. So. That's pretty much, you know, there's absolutely no revenue streams in Scottish football. Yep. We get a million pound for winning the league. So, <laughs> right. You know, like, it's not going to cover Forster for very long, then, is it? No, no. Um, our TV deal's shambolic as well. So, I mean, we have to we'll live within our means. Obviously, Rangers, Rangers died mm. and um, trying to kind of you know, chase glory. And that's something we are very, you know, cautious that we don't want to do. So we have to look at what, we'll look within our best interest. So, I mean, £36,000 a week for a player is a lot of money in Scottish football. Mm. But if Foster, if Foster says he's happy to take a pay cut, but I mean, you're talking about half in, half in his wages. Yeah. Yeah. Is he willing to do that? Yeah. I'm not so sure. I'm not sure many people uh, would be willing to, to drop 50. Half half their wages would they? Um, but to play for the to play for the mighty Glasgow Celtic. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, from from a Saints perspective, we're absolutely desperate to to move on some of these players, and yeah. and I think Forster would be one that we've got Alex McCarthy and Angus Gunn, and and neither of them fill me with a huge amount of confidence. But they're they're the two in the squad now um, that we're moving forward. We've spent quite a lot of money on Angus Gunn, and Again, he's another think, he's another one that's confidence wise has just been shot after the nine nil um, defeat. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think you know from a perspective of 
the start of our season. We get we get uh, knocked out of the Champions League qualifiers at the third the just before the playoff round, and it was due to the fact that our goalkeeper wasn't very good mm-hmm. and isn't very good. If we had Foster for that, right. there's a potential we would have qualified for the Champions League again. I can't begin to tell you uh, having a solid number one that's got some consistency yeah. does for a club. You know, uh, we had Craig Gordon for you know three or four years where he was just there every week, and there was no doubt that he was your number one. And it's just a big weight off your, you know, your shoulders because you don't need to have to worry about that. I mean, I've Alex Gunn was, I think he was linked with, you know, getting a Scotland call up. Mm. I think he, he played. I mean, he's part of the England under twenty ones yeah. and stuff. But yeah. I think there was a chance of him talk of him like switching allegiances, and it's like, no thanks, no. <laughs> not for us. Um, so I mean, I, I do feel for him, but yeah. It's um it's a tricky situation because we did spend again 10, 10 million plus pounds on him and <laughs> it's crazy I mean it, yeah it really is and and, and now he's our, he's a, basically a 10 million pound backup for Saints which we can't afford anyway and we've got Alex McCarthy's number 1 but I, the point being I think that Forster's time at Southampton is over it's just a case of um are we going to send him out on loan again or preferably I think for the club can we can we um, can we get him off the wage bill permanently? But as far as El Yunusi goes, I think there might be an appetite to to bring him back and see what he can do. Yeah, I think from a, from a Celtic point of view, um, if we get Foster and we didn't get El Yunusi, um, personally, I'd be disappointed. But uh, you know, Foster's our I think Foster's our number one target. Yeah. You know, th- this is a guy who Barcelona, yeah. you know, labelled him as El Gran Marala. You know, like the the Great Wall, like he. He performs at his best at the highest level. Um, he does have concentration level um, concentration issues at times, mm. but you know he's. I mean, he is what thirty two, cannot for thirty three. Um, we're not going to pay seventy grand a week for him though, so it's it's really down to him and what he's willing to do. Because I'm pretty sure Celtic and Southampton would probably do business. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, on on that then, so I think I guess one of the from Neil Lennon's perspective and from all managers' perspective, this summer is going to be very disruptive. And I guess one of the reasons why he wants Forster and Alunusi is because it brings a little bit of consistency from from one squad last season to, to next season's squad. And when you sign players, there's always an, an element of risk of, of how they're going to settle in. And those two, I guess, he knows that they'll settle in well. Um, exactly. So, from from Celtic's perspective, are are you guys expected to do much business? You've mentioned that Forster is probably the number one target. Um, we have this week released two first team players, which shocked everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Hayes uh, played a lot coming off the bench for us. Um, Joseph Sumunovic was injured injury prone but you know we we paid we paid four and a half million quid for him like not too long ago you know four or five years ago um which for us is a, a lot of money uh they were both coming to the end of the contract we as celtic fans we all just assumed that we'd sign new deals and they were both let go mm-hmm. neil lennon made it clear that he wanted to keep both of them so we're now looking at looking at an idea where maybe it was the board said to him look we need some cost-cutting um, manoeuvres to be brought in. So in terms of what we are going to do, uh, I've heard a few things. I've heard that Celtic are going to simply only sign people that we know 
along along the lines of what you were saying there about people being brought into the squad that you know are going to kind of fit in well, mm-hmm. I'm guessing that means players from the Scottish Premiership, uh, or maybe from players you know that that we know that we've scouted that we've had contact with maybe in England, but. I don't think there's going to be a big turnover of our squad. Um, I think, if, if in essence, it will be trimmed and then you know supplemented with with youth, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily the the worst way to go. It's just we need the quality of the youth to be of a of a decent standard. You know, we we brought in some really interesting players. Jeremy Frimpong, we bought him from Man City for three hundred thousand pounds, who's already been linked with moves away for upwards of fifteen million quid. Yeah, and that's within the space of seven months. Uh, we brought in Nafalabi from Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not he's not had an opportunity really. But So we're going down the, the route of you know youth, which I'm all for. I just need the quality. We just want the quality. Yeah. We need it to be yeah. supplemented by quality, essentially. So I, I don't know if Celtic will do too much business uh, this summer. And in terms of, of outgoings, I guess we'll come on to, I don't want to, butcher the pronunciation of his name again so yeah, I'll let you say it first and I'll copy you <laughs> uh, in Cham in Cham yeah so yeah. he's been linked with Southampton um, we've also got uh, a French striker that's I think been linked with a lot of top teams um, Edouard are you optimistic about keeping hold of both of them do you want to keep hold of both of them how do they fit within your squad uh, so French Eddie mm-hmm Odson Edward is one of the best talents I've seen at Celtic. Honestly, you know, in fact, I'll, I'll say this. Um, Moussa Dembele, who's now Olympic Marseille, who's on the verge of, you know, going back to England for a huge sums of money. Moussa Dembele was, was one of the best talents I've ever seen. Edward's better. Yeah. Um, Edward for me is of his technique, uh, his football and IQ. You know his his ability, his selflessness, his selfishness as well. Like he can go from 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 both his decision making. He he's a get like he'll go straight to the top. He's not. You know Southampton have been used in the past for you know other clubs have maybe not wanted to buy players off Celtic, you know, yeah. Virgil van Dijk, Wanyama, you know, they, so they've used, you know, Southampton. That's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think Celtic as a, as a ground, as, as a team is tried and tested now. And because of that, we're now, Kieran Tierney goes to Arsenal. Um, Edward, I don't know what his ceiling is, mm-hmm. but, you know, could he go back to PSG? Aye. Yeah. I mean that's that's how that's how good, and I don't. I, that's not hyperbole. That's legitimately how talented this young man is. Um, Olivier and Cham, I love him personally. I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of Olivier and Cham. He to me is, uh, he's a he's a football and maverick. He, he's the type of guy that can be frustrating at times, mm-hmm. but his quality on the ball really. Really, he scored the winner against Lazio in Rome. Uh, he, every t- every single time we've played a high pressure game, we went away to Anderlecht in the Champions League about two years ago. He was magnificent. He controlled the game. We're talking Champions League, yeah. you know, like the highest level. Controlled the game. Um, his his ability to find space, 
his ability to dictate play, his passing. He always wants to make things happen. Um, I, I think he's I think he's a magnificent footballer. Um, last season, we had three changes in formation. 4-2-3-1, then we changed to 4-3-3, and then we finished on 3-5-2. 4-3-3, he was magnificent. Mm-hmm. He was just unplayable. Uh, 3-5-2, and that where he had more space. It, uh, he's a t- Essentially, he's a type of guy that you build a team around. Okay. Um, I, I think he's and he's, he's an extreme talent. He's not going to track back. If he, if he loses the ball, he's not going right. to bust out to track back. You know, I'm not going to compare him to Raquel May, but what I'm going to say is he's in that mould. Okay, so he's very um, creative then, is he? Very, very, very creative. Um, you know, his his final ball is is exceptional. Mm. I do know that Neil Lennon loves him. Um, and I do know if you think you're getting him for four or five, four and a half million quid, you can bolt. Because <laughs> not a chance, not a chance you'll get him for four and a half million quid. The, the, guy, the guy's an exceptional talent. Um, he doesn't start every week for us, mm. is what I would say. Um, but what, from what you've just said, there. I mean, he's been talked about as a replacement for Pierre Mahoyberg, um, and they sound like completely different players. Um, all of the qualities you just mentioned there, in terms of being a footballing maverick, um, Pierre Mahoyberg is not a footballing maverick. He's a, he's a centre midfielder that sits sits there and works incredibly hard, gets up and down the pitch, and basically lets others shine um, by playing nice simple balls to them, uh, and then outworking his opposite centre midfielder. Um, so I think if we're going to try and sign someone to replace him to sit alongside James Ward-Prowse in in and Hassan Hootel's four two 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 formation, I don't think it's going to be. Um, I don't think it's. And Jam wants to. He wants to express himself. Yeah. He he wants to. You know, he wants to take the game by the scruff of the neck. There was a game against Rangers um, two years ago, uh, the first uh, Glasgow derby at Celtic Park. I've never seen a player. Like run a game the the way he does. Now Rangers are chumps, and Steven Gerrard's a joke, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. As a manager, he's he's tactically naive. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's hilarious, loving it. But <laughs> you know, Olivier and Cham just took the game and just dominated. And you know, we've got Scott Brown in there who just Scott Brown that day. Just every time he won the ball, he just gave it to Encham. Just yeah. gave it to Encham. We've got a guy called Callum McGregor who's, in my opinion, one of the the best players in the UK. And I know that's a hell of a, a statement, but it's true. Um, McGregor just giving Cham the ball. Yeah, that he's not going to sit and win tackle. He's a, he's a terrible tackler. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he can't tackle. Um, he's not going to. He, he wants to dictate play. He wants to create things. It can be frustrating mm. because he, at times he 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 wants that killer pass. He wants to make that killer pass. He wants to kill the game as as, as quickly as he can. And sometimes his passing, you know, isn't as accurate as as maybe it can be. But as I say, he's not he's not a first team player for Celtic in in regards every week. Yeah. He 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 wouldn't start if if you said to nine out of ten, nine out of ten, ten Celtic fans he wouldn't be in their first eleven. That's not to say he's not an incredible asset because he is. Some Celtic fans are still bitter about how he acted last summer as well. Yeah, I wanted um, to come on to that just in terms of um, his comment saying what basically that he felt that he was too good to be playing in Scotland. Is that that's a fair summary of what he was what he was getting at? Um, well, yeah. Again, again, it's one of those things where you know. 
there's a lot of things said about Scottish football by a lot of people who don't watch it. So people just assume, you know, they assume things about Scottish football. I've, I've had it my whole life, you know, you know, going on Twitter and, you know, we EPL fanboys talking about the Scottish leagues, you know, my nan could score in the league and all that. It's, it's just, it's just nonsense, mm-hmm. you know. Um, does he think he's too good for it? He probably does. Is he too good for it? He probably could be. Mm. Is he too good for it just now? Uh, well, he's not on the team every week. Yeah. Um, it sounds, you know, to me, so it sounds like there's similarities between him. Different position, but Buffal. I mean, if we were going to describe one of our players as a footballing maverick, yeah. it would 100% be Sofian Buffal. Is he too good for Southampton? Technically, yes. <laughs> I mean, the stuff, the stuff that he can do on the pitch means that he is... He could play for a top six team easily in the Premier League, but he's so inconsistent and so frustrating to yeah. watch. Um, he'll go a whole 90 minutes without with just giving the ball away like constantly because he'll be trying tricks and flicks and trying to make things happen. But every now and then it will come off and you'll be like, oh my God, this guy's ability is incredible. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it sounds like similarities there. I, I think in Cham, I really do think in Cham is an, an, an exquisite talent. And um, I mean, if he does go... I'll be disappointed. You know, there are some players that if they go, you'll, you, you know, you like when Kieran Tierney left, I was, I was gutted. Um, yeah. If in Cham goes, I'll be really, it'll be a shame, but I'm, I'm not going to lose any sleep. If Callum McGregor left, I'd be absolutely, you know, raging. I'd be apoplectic with rage. But if, if you know, it might be, it, it, the thing with in Cham is, He's been so inconsistent this this season. He's been good towards the end when the formation change happened. He, he started to play a lot better. the The problem with Incham is the season before he was he wasn't very good, and that's mm-hmm. the season. You know, the summer after the season where he wasn't particularly good is when he said he was too good for Scottish football, and that's where everyone was like, "Hold on a minute, pal." <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Marcy were were interested in him last summer, but nothing ever kind of you know, became. There was no solid bid. I know that him and Neil Lennon had a talk. Um, and, you know, the guy's 21. You know, he yeah. left France when he was, you know, 16 to sign for Man City. I, I don't blame him for maybe wanting to go back to... That's why I'm quite surprised he's been linked with Southampton. I thought he would have been linked with a move back to France because by all accounts, he kind of seems like he'd maybe want to maybe go home because, you know, as I say, he left France when he was so young and he's, he grew up in, in the UK and... You know, I think he's a talented boy. I would prefer to keep him. However, I wouldn't be surprised if he left, but not for four and a half million quid. Celtic will be looking for at least 12 to 14, I think. Yeah, I was because you mentioned Marseille there and and I think Porto as well. And, and they, it, was, it was like 14 million pounds, which was last summer. Yeah. Um, conversation, obviously, well, Southampton and other teams have been talking about how... Um, transfer fees will likely to be lower this summer I guess we'll wait and see but um so just then uh, you, you mentioned you played lots of different formations if you had to kind of pin what is his best position and in, in, what would be his ideal formation so it's one where I still struggle about with within Sham because we were playing a 4-2-3-1 and he was sitting with Scott Brown and we had Ryan Christie or Tom Rogic as the number 10. And the first season we had him, he was very disciplined um, and he played really well. And he was very, very much a case of, uh, you know, Brown wins it, gives it to Incham and Cham, you know, drives forward a little bit and then drops it off either wide or, or 
to the number 10 and it worked really well. Um, then it was a bit of, you know, Brendan, the rat Rogers, um, kind of mixed it up. Oh God, I hate that guy. <laughs> he is the worst. Um, he's, he's hilarious. One of, one of our friends is a massive Liverpool fan and feels it's just funny talking to him about Brendan Rodgers. He said he said the other day. I'm sorry to go off topic, but he said the other day that um, he compared instead of saying I had coronavirus and it was awful. He said yeah. I had coronavirus. It was awful. I would compare it to the time I climbed Kilimanjaro. Most <laughs> David Brent. Yeah, he is. An idea. Anyway, I sorry in Cham. Um, if you're playing four two two two, uh, which we played uh, under John Barnes, which was a disaster, um, <laughs> it would probably be the obviously you get two holders, two central and two strikers. It would be yep. the, the two central creative players, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. As I say, okay. he's not going to track back. He yeah. doesn't track back at all. So. I mean, that's to, to bring in another Celtic player, that's basically Stuart Armstrong for us in the second half of this se- the season um, has been playing and we've got the two the two holders and then Stuart Armstrong's been playing as was one of the two creative further forward um, midfielders and it's been brilliant. It was brilliant for us before the season got postponed in that position. Uh, could you see Ncham filling the same sort of role as Stuart Armstrong? Are they similar players in that regard going forward? Um, what I, the, the trouble I always had with Armstrong was, um, I mean, I like Stuart Armstrong. Uh, I, I don't like how he left. Not the fact mm-hmm. that, he, not the fact that he, he, he was leaving. I just, I found him to be quite uh, business-like. It was a was it a contract situation that it was running down, and is that was that the reason why he ended up leaving? I think he just wanted to leave. Um, just in general, I mean, he, he can he can spin it however he wants, but I, I think he wanted to leave. Which I, I don't hold I don't hold that against any player wanting to you know go to. I understand how you know the glamour of the English Premiership. I, I completely get that. I just I, I just find Stuart Armstrong to be quite business business like when it comes to football. I don't think he's he's one of those guys who I don't think necessarily loves football. Um, mm-hmm. th- that aside, I think he I think he's a an interesting talent. Um, he was very, very inconsistent for Celtic. Hmm. We were actually really surprised by how much money we got for him. Really? Yeah. Well, we, we, I, uh, we were under the impression that £7 million for him is it was done good business there. But yeah. Blew me away, I'll be honest. <laughs> like, I, 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 I really liked Stuart Armstrong, but his, he was a very, very inconsistent player. He had a, a, a really great, he had a really great, great spell of form where he was amazing, really, really hmm. great. But after, you know, after a while, he just, he's up and down. And as I say, you know, I still hold the fact that he, we were 2-1 up against England and uh, he just needed to clear the ball, but he tries to make a pass like an absolute Goomba. And um, it's just, <laughs> I, I think his football intelligence, if you were to compare, I think Stuart Armstrong's a really good body. And if you tell him exactly what to do, I think he does it. Fantastically, okay. I don't necessarily think he's got a great football and brain on him. And Cham mm. has a magnificent football and brain, brain. And so, I, actually, those two together would be ideal. Uh, it would be yeah. really good football and brain with a bit of energy and the you know Duracell bunny who keeps you know running into corners and doing whatever you ask him. It's it's the ideal yeah. the ideal thing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you said there. I mean, that's probably part of the reason why he fits so well into Ralph's system because it's all about pressing. It's all about high energy and and closing people down from the front. And he was it was a slow burner as far as Armstrong getting into the team. He was on the bench for for months for us and wasn't really doing much. And such as spending seven million pounds, you think, oh, okay, maybe that's his role in the team. Yeah, <laughs> um, just to come off the bench. But then he got he worked his way into the team and he was brilliant. Scored a few big goals for us. Um, and he's not first name on a team sheet, but he's certainly in the first four or five now. Um, that's good. I mean, and when we we missed him, so basically got he's got a little bit of an injury just before the season got postponed, and and we missed him, and we ended up losing quite a few games we should have we should have done much better in and I think a lot of fans put it down to because we we didn't have that energy higher up the pitch that he brings yeah I think um as I say I'm, I'm I really I do actually I remember when Armstrong was at Dundee United and um I remember saying like a long time I wrote an article on our website saying you know this boy is you know he's he's got really something about him and um Celtic weren't even that interested in him um, at first because they were interested in another player called Gary Mackay-Steven who they brought in and then I think they, when scouting Mackay-Steven they'd realised that Armstrong actually was you know quite good yeah. he never you know I'm talking about like Foster and El Yunusi and, and Incham they've all kind of stepped up in Europe for us Armstrong never really did step up in Europe I think that was one of the big when you play for Celtic you need to realise that you know European football is a big part of of who we are as a football club and that step up can you know people can you know jump no problem or and people can you know fall so far away from it and Armstrong always really struggled um from a European perspective but I think he's a really good player I think he I think he's got levels maybe to go up um but I think I think a club like Southampton's an, a perfect fit for him um, yeah and so yeah so aye, good luck <laughs> <laughs> um, also just to finish on to, to, to discuss some of the some of the other signings then basically I mean we've done quite quite a bit of business between the two clubs Forster obviously back with you guys now Wanyama and Van, Van Dijk being the most famous one you kind of touched on it already that, you, that, that Celtic in the past I think it's been a mutually beneficial relationship really um, players would go from Celtic to Saints so then in the case of Van Dijk going on to, to Liverpool um, and now Celtic would rather just sell straight to Arsenal or straight to Liverpool, whoever that is. Um, do, is that is that kind of a is that what the club is striving to do now, just to kind of cut out that first move to the Premier League and just go straight to the the top six? Um, I, I think that you know, I think Celtic, have, with all due respect, Celtic have been really screwed over um, in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it comes down to the attitude of you know Scottish football. Um, you know, uh, just just wholesale judgments on you know not very much essentially I, I remember you know in the amount of times we've heard interviews with people who know nothing about Scottish football slating it and it's just like mate you don't even you could name three teams um but having said that um I also understand that clubs want to do deals uh I think Celtic are now kind of after Dembele I think Dembele was the one uh that really really kind of changed it a little bit okay. um i mean we sold we sold him for 20 million pounds um he went to leon yeah. he went to leon and he's done really well for leon i think he'll be back i think he, manchester united have been consistently linked with him for the last you know couple of months um so i mean dembele kind of broke was the first to kind of break through 
and obviously Kieran went to to Arsenal. And as far as I'm aware, Kieran knocked back other clubs to go to Arsenal. Um, quite, I don't want to say bigger clubs than Arsenal, but clubs that were as big as Arsenal in a you know higher position. Um, yeah. And so Celtic, I think, just they value what they've got now. I think they think, well, why should we sell? We're in the we're in the uh, the the driving seat. Um, you know, Odson Edwards is. I, I can't begin to tell you how magnificent a footballer is. I don't want him to leave, but I also understand, you know, maybe he wants to go. I, I don't think he wants to go now. I think he'll definitely stay yeah. for next season. Season after that, if Celtic win 10 in a row and he's part of that squad, he everyone will wave him off with delight and say thank you and good luck in your ne- next big moves. Um, so, I mean, I think that our top, top assets will go to clubs in the top six mm. to eight. In England, or you know, you know, bigger clubs in in, in the continent, Dortmund, etc. I think it's off saint, not a saint's topic, but I think it's interesting talking about uh, Edward there. That he was your club club record signing, was he from PSG? Yes, nine million quid. Um, I just is it just sounds like a fascinating story that there's this kind of is a teenager at the time or twenty or however old he was when you you signed him from PSG. Um, I guess it speaks to his own self-confidence that he's, he's going to leave a team that's basically Champions League, competing for Champions League to move to Celtic to prove himself. Um, obviously, no disrespect, but obviously hoping to move back to a team like PSG or wherever it's going. And yeah. um, I, th- I think it's, it's just, it's a quite an unusual move, I guess is what I'm trying to say um, for a kind of French teenager to make and obviously backed his ability and it's paid off. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, I think we are realistic. As Celtic fans, we're realistic. I think Celtic is it's hard to quantify how big Celtic are as a football club. Um, it's just the fact that we are are based in Scotland. Um, Scotland, as I say, isn't the Scottish League is Scottish Premiership is is a far better standard. You know, guys come up here like Joey Barton and all that and think they're going to dominate in the last four games. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Up the road, down the road, pal. You know what I mean? Scott Brown. <laughs> down the road, yeah. yeah. Scott Brown takes his shades off for two minutes and, you know, the lights, whites of his eyes terrify them. And we get that. It's the same with Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard was on, on the verge of being, he was booed out of his last four games for Rangers. All of a sudden, because of what's happened with the pandemic, people forget all that. And people are now mm-hmm. saying, oh, Gerrard's going to stop Celtic winning 10 in a row. So he was on the verge of getting sacked. But the fact of the matter is, Dembele came in, we, we got him from Fulham, we got, we got a good deal with him and that led to people realising I could go to Celtic, win medals, play in the Champions League, stay there for three or four years, become a hero and then I could maybe take a step up in terms of, you know, league quality. And, you know, it's worked with Dembele, it'll probably work with Edward. I mean, it definitely will work with Edward. Guys, as I say, as I say like um, Jeremy Frimpong, you know, he, he's the next kind of breakout superstar. Guys like Christopher Ayer, um, who uh, splits opinion at part, Celtic Park, um, but he'll probably get a, a big, he might go this summer. Um, and so it's it's a good breeding ground for young, hungry talent who want mm. to improve themselves, develop, and then take a step up, not from a club point of view, but from a league point of view. Um, yeah. And we are happy essentially to facilitate that if it means that we do well in Europe, if it means that we win titles. Yeah, why not? Works works for them, works for us, works for everybody. Yeah. I think there's the, the similarities I sense. So you, you guys talking about go to Scotland, you can win medals and play in, play in Europe um, and then move on. For us, it's for, for Saints, it's come and play in the Premier League. Yeah. 
um, prove yourself. And if you can do it here, then you can potentially move on to a Liverpool or to a Man City. Exactly. That's worked in worked in the past with with Van Dijk and with Mane and and all the rest. I think the issue for Saints fans is that's that's all well and good, and we're fine. I'm fine with that as a fan. Um, the issue comes is when you you start spending the recruitment goes wrong basically is what's happened at St. Mary's over the last few seasons. And, and then all of those signings that you make with a view to signing them for 10 million pounds and sending them for 50 or 70, you sign them for 10 million and then you ship them out on loan because they don't work. And, yeah. and yeah, and you quickly go downhill, but um, it's been, it's been great speaking to you, Chris. Yeah. Thanks very much. I appreciate taking up 50 minutes of your time there. So I hope no, that's, I think, uh, that's no. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me on. Uh, I really absolute pleasure and anything we can help out with you in, in the future just let us know right jack let's jump back in interesting conversation with chris there anything that you picked up on really interesting conversation i think i always find it interesting speaking to fans of other clubs to get their perspective on it because sometimes you can find yourself in a little bit of a bubble can't you just from a southampton point of view and like you said we've done so much business with celtic it was interesting to hear what they thought of us, whether they hated us. Like some fans hate Liverpool because they nick all our players. So yeah, big fan of big fan of speaking to fans of other clubs. I thought um, stuff on El Yanusi was interesting. Um, they obviously rate him. He mentioned his work rate and his timing and his tracking back and those kind of qualities. And he was banging on about that performance in, in Lazio, um, which seems very important to him, didn't it? If you performed in Europe, yeah. You've got you've got a big tick next to your name. I think that's what he said. Stuart Armstrong probably performed in the SPL but didn't do much in Europe and that's why I wasn't too keen on him. But El Yunusi, I think we've mentioned before, one of the lone players that potentially has a chance of coming back to Saints. I think I trust Ralph's opinion. I think he knows if he's uh if he will be part of his squad. Um but it'll be interesting to see whether we do uh give him another chance yeah. or or ship him back out on loan or preferably sell. What do you think with El Yunusi? Yeah, with El Yunusi, I mean, I kind of made the point in the chat with Chris that like Saints fans, I don't think really know what he brings Like yeah. in his time here. like what, what was his standout attribute? I don't really know what what that would be. Um, and I thought it was interesting that you mentioned work rate because he would obviously be playing in one of one of the two creative midfielders in Hassan Hüttel's system. Yeah. And in a high-pressing system, you need those players, which is part of the reason why Armstrong is so good there. It's because he's got so much energy and he's got such great work, work rate and, he, and he's pressing and he's tracking back. And those attributes would be really good, I think, in Ralph's system. Um, at the same time, I agree with you. I, I trust Hasan And if he doesn't see it in El Yunusi and the fans didn't really see it in El Yunusi when he was here before, maybe it's one that, it's just not, it's just not going to work out. I just thought it was it, there was yeah. just a little glimmer there that made me think, oh, maybe it could work with with that work rate and that pressing. Um, we've spent money on him. He's talented. He must be. If he's played Champions League, yeah. it's just not worked. It's interesting what you said then about he's got the qualities to fit Hassan your system. Obviously, you need a team that has a mix of players. But if you had to say on paper, Sofiane Bufal or Mohamed El Yunusi, which one is going to play? For Ralph Hassan, it was team. You'd pick El Yunusi every day yeah, of the week, wouldn't you? You would. That's that's it. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. I, I completely agree with you there. He's he che- he checks the boxes of a creative midfield, creative attacker in a in a Hassan Hootel team more, I think, than than Buffal. Um, 
and potentially Gineppo as well. I mean, he's closer to Armstrong um, yeah. of all yeah. those players. So there's, I think there's there's a window of opportunity for, for him there, whether that happens or not, to wait and see. On Forster? Yeah. Fraser, um, I mean, it sounds like they're really keen on him. Uh, they want they want him permanently, which suits us. We don't want to send him out on loan again and be paying part of his wages or I'm not sure what the actual details are. We'd, I mean, I think I speak for most Saints fans in saying that we'd rather Fraser off our books. I think his time at Saints has come to an end. So I think, um, well, he mentioned about those two players, Johnny Hayes, and I can't remember the other player that they've... Um, yeah. released recently which obviously sounds like they're trying to free up some some wage budget to to bring in some players so hopefully they've got Fraser at the top of their list yeah it sounds like they do um as their number one target agree we just need to get him off the books don't we he's just yeah. eating up eating up our wage bill as a number three keeper it's a bit of a joke really um so yeah fingers crossed we can make something make something work there um olivia and cham We've got quite a lot of information there, I think, from Chris on what sort of player he is and how potentially he could fit in at Saints. Did you like what you you heard from Chris there on the type of player and Cham could be? Yeah. What? How did he describe him again? Was it a footballing maverick? Footballing maverick is what he said, and then he also said like in the mould of Raquel May, which was <laughs> intriguing. Um, Considered like obviously an unbelievable player, but again, it kind of fits that footballing maverick, uh, I guess, category. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's well documented that Hoiberg is looking for a move. So another centre midfielder is top of the top of the list alongside a centre back for this summer. That doesn't doesn't sound like they're the same type of player. Sounds like to me, um, Incham has a lot more of Mario Lamina's qualities in that kind of dynamic box to box midfielder that has quality when he's on the ball and is a little bit more forward thinking and has a screamer in him both footed and stuff like that um rather than Hoiberg which is you know a bit more combative in there and gets gets stuck in and gives it gives the ball to the more creative players so it'll be interesting to see when you think about our midfield options with Ward Prowse who has got to start for me and I think would definitely be a start for Hassan who will potentially even captain we'll see what happens with Hoiberg's captaincy um Romeo which I think is an interesting one Oriol Romeo I don't know how do how do you think his chances are of getting back into that team um I think Romeo is a useful squad player if we I think if we went into a season if we sold Hoiberg and we didn't sign um a replacement and we tried to fit Romeo in as that replacement I think we would I think we would struggle yeah um, he definitely is useful in the team but I can't see him playing every week for us in central midfield he's too one paced um, he doesn't offer enough um, apart from just kind of break, breaking up play and mm. even within that I think there's a few times last season uh, where he was just off the pace and even that, even breaking up play and winning tackles, he wasn't even really very good at that. Yeah. Um, that Tottenham FA Cup game springs to mind when that midfield was so open and Spurs were just coming right through the middle of us towards the end of that game. And he, like, Romeo was like running through 
treacle. He just really yeah. was struggling to, to stay up with play. And I think that's what I would fear if we did if we tried to play him every week at Saints next season. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, which, you know, I think it's we do need a set midfielder and everything that Chris was saying there about in Cham sounded promising. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can, that we can uh, get that signing, get in Cham in. I mean, it's, yeah. I saw it was 4.5 million rumoured, but Chris seemed to think that that would probably get in for one game. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I think it will have to be a little bit more than that to uh, rise him away. Well, I think from his point of view, probably it's just like he's, the reports last summer were 12 to 14 million. Now, I think transfer fees are going to be less this summer, but that is quite a dramatic uh, reduction in his value. Um, So we'll see. I think you make a good point about comparisons to Lamina. He does sound like a goal-scoring, like number eight type midfielder. Would that work with Ward Prowse in Hassan Hüttel's system? It sounds like it could be quite, we could be quite open if we don't Mm. have that ball-winning midfielder in there. Um, Ward Prowse likes to put his foot in, but he's certainly not kind of like a Hoiberg style uh, Mm. ball winner. winner. So, and Cham has been described as a terrible tackler. He's not going to be winning many uh, (laughs) 50-50 battles in the midfield either. So, um, yeah, it remains to be seen really. Uh, I'd like to think that we trust the people, the decision makers, Ralph, Matt Crocker, that are in place now um, versus the people that were making the decisions before, whether it be Les Reed or, or Ross Wilson. I mean, we've had a few shockers in the transfer market, so we'll have to wait and see, I guess. But and I mean, it's some, yeah, time, it's, it sounded interesting. It's, sort of, it's certainly the sort of player I'd like to see us take a, take a chance on, are the prices right? Like, very talented, hmm. clearly. Definitely. And it seems like he's got that physical presence. I know he said that he's not a not the best tackler, which is a, which is an issue. But I think if you're going to play alongside, alongside Ward Prowse in there, you need, we need to have a bit more of a physical presence. Definitely. Otherwise I think we would get bullied a little bit by some teams. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Exciting. Exciting. We've done a lot of business with Celtic before. and Most of them have come out half decent. So yeah. Yeah. Let's keep it going. Exactly. Exactly. Um, let's keep raiding them. Yeah. <laughs> can we get well, Edward? You know That's what I was just about to say. I was like, can we get Edward? Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I need to. I, I need to go. Um, I, I mean, I, I haven't watched any Scottish football for a long time. But if he's as high, if he's as good as he as Chris said he is, mm. I'm sure he is, and he sounds like a decent player. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. It, it, like you said in the interview, it's an interesting move to to go to Celtic and prove yourself there. But yeah, it kind, it kind of it's it's like Chris said, Celtic's a huge club and they play Champions League football and. Whilst it might be frustrating for some fans that see these great players come in and then leave for bigger clubs, at the end of the day, that's what football's football's about, isn't it? And to get those players, those quality players, even for a year or two, as we've experienced at Saints, is still pretty decent. Definitely. Definitely. Right, let's do the big reveal. Who have we got on next week's podcast? Are you ready? I feel, ready. I feel, I feel I've built this up too much now. And it's going to be a letdown, but I don't think nah. so. I'm really, I'm really excited to get this person on. Um, so next week we'll be chatting to uh, Mark Forbes, the Kit Man, um, Saints Kit FC, Kitman Forbesy, Saints FC legend. Uh, very excited to chat to him next week. Your initial reaction to that, Jack? I actually can't believe that 
I've uh, Kim and Forbesy was one of my first followers when I went on Twitter. He's um, yeah, I don't, just seems like a great bloke, doesn't he? Just from uh, such a nice guy. Seems like really nice. Seems like he loves Saints. He's got a Saints tattoo on the back of his calf. <laughs> Bleeds red and white. I think. Yeah, I I follow both him and Jamie Ireland, which I think is his uh, kitman assistant, and they both have really good content on on social media. And I just think it's always interesting hearing about different sides of the football club, isn't it? We had a well, I mean, we've spoken to a, a variety of different people hearing about the world of Southampton FC, and to hear about the kitman side of it, it's going to be fascinating. Should be good. Yeah, I think, like you said, a different perspective um, on Saints and. Hopefully, I think he's been he's been at the club for a while. He should have some good stories um, from the dressing room. We'll be uh, yeah, we'll be chatting to him about pretty much his career at Saints, best memories, what he's been up to recently with with COVID, um, and then the season restarting. So really excited to chat to him, um, and that'll be out next Monday. Um, in the meantime, I'd just like to say follow us on our social channels. It's OWT Saints Pod. Um, we're close to 500 followers on Twitter, so it'd be great to break that mark sooner rather than later, preferably before the season starts. That'd be good. Good little target for us to set. Definitely. I want to hit that 500 badly. Yeah. Hopefully already... Kitman Forbes will get us over the line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good point, yeah. Hopefully Kitman Forbes will boost us over that 500 <laughs> mark. Um, or on Instagram as well and on Facebook. Um, but yeah, all right, Jack. And Until next week, we'll catch up. Um, speaking to Forbesy. Can't wait, Pat. Speak to you then.